Well, welcome everyone. It's great to see you here this morning and a big welcome if you're here for the first time or visiting over the summer. If you're on holiday in Torbay, I hope you're enjoying the great weather and the seaside vibes. So, like Matt said, I'm Simon. I'm a regular here at Bay Church. Been here from the very start, <laughs> but that's only all of nine months, just in case you're wondering. It's not 20 years or something like that. So last week, Matt kicked off our mini-series on the Psalms, and he said that summertime can be a great time for relaxation, but essentially, let's not go on holiday from God. So he encouraged us to keep seeking God, whether that's through prayer, reading the Bible, or worshiping the Lord. But I'd like to flip that on its head this week and say that personally, I often really struggle in the summer months, particularly the six weeks that make up the school holidays. I don't know about you, but I often find it challenging when there's the pressure to create amazing memories with your children while juggling work or business at the same time, book and have an awesome holiday, typically abroad, which can be costly. Plus there's the daily pressure, if you've got a family, of having children around and you know, that daily expense of ice creams, parking, days out, fare, and so on. And you know, if, if I'm really honest, there's another layer too. There's the cost of living crisis that we're going through. There's the climate emergency, extreme weather, gloomy world events. So I, I hope you can kind of um, get the picture there. Um, and if you don't have a family, perhaps you know, kind of in a younger phase of life, you struggle with the dreaded FOMO, fear of missing out. You know, you're seeing all your mates on social media and just thinking, why is that not me? So overall, it can be quite stressful. And I, I think I have to be quite disciplined personally not to fall into a spiral of anxiety or perhaps resent the people around me or my circumstances. But if I think about it, I'm actually really blessed being here in Torbay. I'm able to go swimming at the beach each day. I can get the paddleboard out. I can enjoy al fresco dining in the garden with the family. So this is where we're going today in this talk on the Psalms. Today's talk is about leading a godly life in the summer season, particularly if you feel like everything is against you. Um, but I'd just like to pray firstly before we hear from God and open up the Psalms together. So let's just pray briefly. Father, we just still ourselves as we come before you and open your word. And we just want to say sorry, Lord, firstly, where perhaps we've ignored you or not been making time or listening to you. Lord, thank you that you want to meet with us again afresh this morning. So we just open our hearts and our minds and our ears to you and pray that we'd hear from you. And also the things that you say to us would make a tangible difference this week as we go forward. Amen. So just a bit about me. I'm married to Rachel, um, who you'll see in a moment. I've got three daughters um, who, who are in uh, kids' work today, and also a little dachshund called Maggie, who's, who's definitely not here. Uh, he'd be creating a riot if she was. Um, we've been in Torbay about a year and a half now. We live up in the Babacom area, and together with Rachel, uh, we run a creative design studio doing things like website design, branding, video stuff. Um, I really love the outdoors, so I'm a regular open water swimmer, if there's any of you out there. 
Um, I love kettlebells, and one of my favorite pursuits is exploring local footpaths in Torquay on hilly runs. Um, so if you love any of that, come and chat to me afterwards. Um, so a bit of context, Matt kicked off the series for us last week and helpfully summed up the Psalms for us. Um, in essence, the Psalms give us an example of how to grow in God. In essence, they are a road to a blessed life. And as a bit of background, the Psalms were written over several centuries, not by one author, but by several. One of them was David, there was King Solomon, Moses, and others. And they were actually written as a collection of poems, so typically set to music or sung in worship, which is important for what we're looking at. And the purpose of the Psalms was to offer hope, encouragement, and guidance for our daily lives. And they cover a huge range of human emotions, both positive and negative. So joy, sorrow, gratitude, confusion, anger. Um, they're respectful, but also painfully honest at times, as we'll see today. And overall, the Psalms give us, well, they help us examine and understand the nature and character of God. And through that, understand ourselves and how we can grow on our journey of following Jesus. So if you caught Matt's talk, he shared some funny yet personal stories um, about his life, including lots of challenges. Um, and that's the area I want to focus on today with you together. So I'm just going to invite Rachel up, who's going to read the psalm for us before we get into things. Psalm 3, a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. Lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Rachel. So in terms of what's going on in Psalm 3, we get a handy note before we begin. It says, a Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. So David had been the king of Israel in Jerusalem, but his son Absalom conspired against him. He led a rebellion and seized the throne from David. And if you want to explore that story in full, do check out 2 Samuel 15 and following for the expanded version. And so at the point that we come to this psalm, David has fled from Jerusalem for fear of being put to the sword, and he's at a really low point. So again, just kind of flipping things on their head, I think it's easy to sympathize with David, obviously, um, and we can assume that he's the injured party having been overthrown. But the thing with David is that he wasn't innocent the backdrop to Absalom's rebellion was that David had committed adultery 
um, by sleeping with Bathsheba, if you're familiar with the story. And he made it even worse by trying to cover his tracks, sending Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to certain death in battle. So for me, it, it begs the question, did David have the right to call for God for help? Do I have the right to ask God to intervene or come to my aid, even though there's sin in my life? And by sin, I mean the, op- the things that are the opposite of God's nature. So God is perfect, and he wants the best for us. And sin is anything in our lives um, that, or, or the lives around us that, that damages us, whether that's anger, envy, deceit, stealing, and so on. Um, the things that ultimately separate us from God and prevent us from enjoying his best. So when we're struggling in life, we might kind of also have this backdrop like David had. Um, and life can be really hard when perhaps we're dealing with the shame or the kind of knowledge of, of those things that we've done that have not honored God. Um, perhaps you don't struggle with the summer season, and, and that's fine. And, and my question to you is then, how can you support others who perhaps are struggling? Um, or how do you think you can react when you face difficulties in other areas of your life or perhaps in the future? So today, I just wanted to share a few reflections and tips, I suppose, for dealing with life when everything is against you, for leading a godly life in the summer season. If you take away nothing else, know this. You don't need to live a perfect life. You need to live one in which you're honest with God. So here are my reflections for today. Firstly, let's be honest with God. Secondly, let's remind ourselves what God's done in our lives already. And thirdly, let's live our lives without denial. So to kick off then, things were so bad in David's life that the psalm suggests he was in total and utter ruin. And it must have felt like the ground was completely falling away beneath him. Um, Plus, that that state of despair went beyond just the physical. Um, David's very soul within him was on the verge of breakdown. So I think I can certainly relate to that, perhaps not to that extent, but something I've struggled with is some of our personal financial situations through the years, and one particular one stands out for me. So a few years ago, when we were getting our business up and running, my dad was visiting us one summer in Derby. And at that point, getting work in and getting paid had been particularly difficult. I remember pouring out my heart to my dad in our kitchen in Derby and eventually just dissolving in floods of tears. I I felt that Rach and I had listened to God in starting our business together but it just wasn't paying, and I felt really hopeless. And the thing that hurt the most for me was that I I felt strongly that God had led us to that point, but the reality just didn't match up to what I'd expected from God. So over the years, things have built, and we're in a better place now. But I think we all have those feelings where the whole begins to open up in front of us and we're afraid that we'll fall into it and perhaps fall away from God. And that feeling that you might have, I'd like to say is perfectly legitimate, but what I'd like to help us look at today is 
How do we deal with that or, or process those feelings? So let's have a little look at what we can learn from David in the psalm. So firstly, he starts off by talking directly to God. He addresses God personally, saying, Lord, Lord, how many are my foes in verse 1? And that's important for us. David doesn't depersonalize God, but he speaks to him as he would normally. And when we're in a sticky, sticky situation, it's often very easy to shy away from the truth or confronting things head on. My daughters are a classic example of this. They'll often say, I forgot, or suddenly become quite vague about the particular argument that they've been having together. It's just very easy to do that. Um, and as we move on, David's first complaint is the number of things that have gone wrong so far. How many have risen up against him in Jerusalem and overthrown his throne? He says, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? And interestingly, those that are against him focus on undermining the very foundations of his relationship with God. They say, not even God can help him now. So desperate is his situation. It says, many are saying of me, in David's words, God will not deliver him. And let's just pause there and recognize that this is a classic attack of the enemy. And when I say enemy, I mean those who are opposed to God's best in your life. And sometimes that's personalized in the figure Satan, but it can be outworked in many other ways besides that. And the enemy will attack you when you are at your lowest and seek to destroy what you hold most dear. So for David, he had a specially unique and intimate relationship with God. So it's interesting that this is where the, 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 the enemy attacks him and focuses. So the example I gave of finances above is a common way that the enemy seeks to attack us, particularly if you're married, in, in my experience. Other examples might include relationships with our family and community, or perhaps how we deal with stress and anxiety in our lives. And often we can tell that there's a problem in our lives when we develop unhealthy attitudes to whether it's food, alcohol, or sex. So step one for my mini guide, if I could put it that way this morning, is uh, living when, when life is hard against us is be honest with God and talk to him directly, no differently than you've talked to him before. In the same way that I poured out my troubles to my dad and ended up in tears, you can be vulnerable with your heavenly father too. So remind yourself that the enemy seeks to destroy the areas of your life in which you are best able to praise God. So for David, again, his gift of worship was a key way the enemy sought to undermine him. So we started off by giving each other the freedom to be honest with God. Uh, point two is remind yourself what God has done. When we look at the psalm for our example today, we can see that David cried out and God answered him. Plus, it wasn't a carefully formed prayer, but ragged and desperate. So when I was at Bible college a number of years ago, we went on a summer trip to Morocco. The trip was all about learning to appreciate and live in another culture. 
And during that time, we were sent out in small groups with a small amount of money to live in faith for three days. The money was, was not sufficient for, for those three days, uh, whether it's the food, travel, accommodation, and everything else. Um, so the aim of that little trip was to force us to interact with people in the local community and trust God for provision. So you might say that we took advantage of the hospitality of locals, but really we, want, we went humbly with no expe- expectations whatsoever, plus with sleeping bags to sleep out rough, which I did do and, and others did do as well. So as we prayed before leaving, a vivid image of a straw hat popped into my head, a a particular type of hat that the locals wear in Morocco. And later on, during the time away, when we were looking for somewhere to to stay for the night, for for someone to welcome us in, um, we were invited to stay with a local man. And before leaving, I, I spotted the exact same hat that I'd seen in my mind's eye on his bookshelf. Um, so for me, it felt like confirmation that God knew our need ahead of time and had made divine arrangements for our safe passage on that little trip. So if we just unpack a bit in the psalm then, David's approach to us becomes very clear. He recognizes the attempts of the enemy to undermine his relationship with God. And having been honest with God, he makes a specific point of turning his back on the negativity and the the things that are going wrong. He says, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him, but you, Lord, are a shield around me in verses two to three. And David acknowledges that it is God who made him look good in the eyes of others. He uses the phrase, my glory. And the the word glory has the root meaning of an opinion or view of someone, particularly positive, and one that leads to that person receiving praise and honor. So typically, we use the word glory to talk about God um, so, so by David using this word glory, he's underlining just how much God exalted him in the past. And he also reminds himself that it was God's work in his life in the past that gave him confidence and strength of mind. He says, the, only Lord, the Lord is the only one who lifts my head high in verse 3. So above all, he reminds himself that when he calls the Lord, the Lord answered him audibly. I call out to the Lord, and he answers me from his holy mountain, in verse 4. So personally, I'm impressed with how quickly David moves from a place of despair to reminding himself of the good things God has done in his life. Even in this short psalm, there are many things that he recalls, and he only mentions them briefly in passing. The one that sticks out to me most is that David describes God as his glory. Despite his difficult circumstances, he never loses sight of how it's been God all along who has elevated him in the eyes of those around him. He refuses to deny God or God's blessings in his life to date. So to recap so far, our steps for living well in adversity are be honest with God, And secondly, remind yourself of what God has done. So my final point to you, to encourage you, um, is to live your life without denial. 
And when we look at David's behavior in the psalm, he went about his daily life despite the dire situation. The sense we get from the psalm is that his future wasn't entirely certain, but he continued all the same. He faced up to what was against him, even though the odds were stacked against him. And one of the hardest times in our life was when Rachel and I felt that we should serve God overseas. We tend to call it a mission in church circles, but basically it, it just means living in another culture, particularly abroad, and seeking to share Jesus and bless a community. So for us, that, that was going to be Morocco. And if you know much about serving God overseas or you've done a bit of it, it tends to involve a lot of sacrifice and hardship. Um, so I laugh now, but um, it, 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 that was definitely the case for us at the time. We packed up all our belongings. We left the place where we'd been settled. We left careers and steady work behind us. We took on the task of raising funds from friends, family, and our church community. And we had the added challenge of learning a foreign language, all whilst looking after a toddler. So Alessia, our eldest, was about three months old when we um, began that journey. And they were some of the hardest times of my life when tiredness, loneliness, and stress all came together in a big bundle. We spent two years in France getting a foundation in French to enable us to do everyday life in Morocco, as French was a second language there. And actually, we never got to the point where we managed to make it onto the ground permanently in Morocco to have any sort of meaningful impact. Ultimately, the team that we were with, were with fell apart, our funds were drying up, and we felt God was moving us on to the next thing. And really, throughout the whole process, all that kept me going at times was literally just doing one day at a time and sometimes, you know, one morning or one afternoon at a time. So one of the things that I most like about David in this psalm is that he did what he could to carry on with life and his daily routine as best he could. He states that he rested in the midst of his troubles in verse 5, I lie down and sleep. So even with everything going on, he submits to his body's need for rest. And I don't know about you, but sleeping is not normally the thing that I tend to want to do when, you know, I'm stressed or, you know, something's kicking off. And there's a sense, too, that he wasn't entirely sure that he'd wake up again, um, but he rested all the same. So verse 5, I wake again because the Lord sustains me. And this must have been a, a real internal battle for him, aware of all of the people against him and aware of all of the thoughts running through his mind. Despite what must have looked like a hopeless situation in which he could have easily been seized by his enemies without warning, David faces down his fears. He faces up to the thousands, not only set against him, but physically surrounding him on all sides. In verse 6, it says, I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. <laughs> what an example David is to us. So I think what this tells us most about David is his attitude in very difficult circumstances. David refuses to give up, back down, or blame God for everything that has gone wrong. Despite the sin he's committed previously, and despite all the odds stacked against him, he chooses to stay true to his convictions 
and what he knows is true of God. He's humble, he's honest, and he's unshaken in his love for the Lord. So those are my three points for us today on leading a godly life during the summer season or in adversity, whatever that looks like for you. You don't need to leave a perfect life. You need to live one in which you're honest with God. So let's just recap briefly. David was honest with God. He's honest about his situation and his feelings, and he doesn't hide his despair. Secondly, he reminds himself what God has done, and we can do that. He reminds himself of God's goodness and the good things God has done in the past. And thirdly, he lives his life without denial. He carries on and puts his trust in God without denying his true feelings. So in a, se- in a sense, this is such a great and helpful model for us for engaging with God. It's, it's a, an approach of two halves in a way. There's the complaining and there's the confiding. We get, our th- we get things off our chest and then God gets to work. Uh, God gets the glory, we get the comfort. And David externalizes his troubles, but then stokes the faith and makes room for God to work in his life. And the last few verses in the psalm are important for us too, as as I finish. David avoided the temptation to try to resolve his situation in his own strength. He roused his faith and put his situation in God's hands. It says in verse 7, Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. And I don't know about you, but I can find it tempting to sort out situations in my life rather than going to God with my problems first and asking him for his wisdom. When I do um, go to God, things invariably work out better than when I go solo. So, Bringing things to a close, just like to help us to respond briefly to what we've seen in the psalm today, um, just to, to give a bit of space and, and a moment for God to kind of uh, prompt you or to kind of um, highlight something further to you. Um, I'm going to pray, but um, as I do so, just have I, I'd love for you just to have a couple of things in mind that I feel like God's put on my heart, and I think there'll be an opportunity just to respond further afterwards. I'd like to, to, to invite you as, as I pray just to ask, you know, do you need to be more honest with God or do you need to remind yourself what God has done in your life or perhaps live without the denial that is clouding your life? And specifically as well, I feel like there might be someone or, or some people here today who have been struggling to know that, that God is the salvation in your life and perhaps you need an encouragement or further faith that, that you can trust in God fully. Or perhaps um, you feel like someone or something is standing in the way of what's yours um, in your life, whether that's a family circumstance or work or whatever it might be. So I'm just going to pray, um, and then there'll be a further opportunity to respond. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for this very short psalm that gives us such a great model of how we can live our lives, how we can respond when things are against us. And again, we want to say sorry where we've 
try to sort things out in our own strength, or we perhaps ignored you and failed to, to come to you um, as our defender and protector. Um, so we just give ourselves to you again this morning and pray if, if there's um, an area where we need to um, open ourselves up again in a new way, would you come by your Holy Spirit and be that help, Lord, be that prompter so that we can follow you um, afresh. Um, and for those who perhaps feeling like you can't, you've not been able to fully put your confidence in the Lord, Holy Spirit, come again and bring fresh confidence. Or if you feel like there's been something standing in the way of what's rightfully yours, what you feel like is your throne or your kingdom, whatever that might look like, Holy Spirit, would you just bring clarity? Would you bring resolution in those areas? So Father, we thank you again and pray that you would bed these truths down in our lives and help us to outwork them this week. In Jesus' name, amen.